When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun. So winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. From Autosport.com and Autosport Magazine, I'm your host, Ariana Bravo, and this is the Autosport Podcast. We are on to our second race of the triple header, and Formula One is at the Red Bull Ring in Styria, the first of two races at this track. And rather fittingly, Red Bull topped the timesheets in both practice sessions today, with Max Verstappen fastest in FP1, ahead of Pierre Gasly in P2. Have to say that the Alpha Tauris started their weekend off well with both drivers in the top five for the first practice session. But unfortunately, Gasly was ruled out of FP2 shortly before the session started, after Honda were forced to complete a lengthy check on his power unit, having noted some irregular data from FP1. And in FP2, McLaren's Daniel Ricciardo and Alpine's Esteban Ocon both rose into the top three with their soft tyre runs. Ocon had briefly led FP2 with a lap of 1 minute 0.0579 before Verstappen went quicker, with Ricciardo also leapfrogging the Frenchman to finish the session in P2, trailing behind his former Red Bull teammate by three-tenths of a second. The Mercedes cars wound up P3 and P4 in FP1, while in FP2, Lewis Hamilton set the fourth fastest time with Valtteri Bottas P12. And we saw a bizarre moment from Bottas when he spun his Mercedes just after leaving his pit box and ended up sideways outside the McLaren garage. Thankfully, he didn't make contact with anyone or anything, but the McLaren team did have to push him back and jumped on the radio to race director Michael Massey to complain. Mercedes had to report to the stewards not long after the session, and Bottas has been handed a a three-place grid penalty as a result. There's actually quite a lot to discuss today for a Friday, and Jonathan Noble, Motorsport.com's F1 editor, is here with me to chat. John, how is everything? How are you? 
Not too bad. Energy levels slightly lower than last weekend. This is the normal um, fatigue of a triple header. So um, uh, I'm kind of halfway through the halfway through the first stint, if you want, want to know. Just deciding if I need to switch to the soft or medium compound for the, the final <laughs> final round. Yeah, I'm also feeling it as well. Obviously, I travelled out to Austria a couple of days ago, and yeah, feeling quite shattered today. Actually, a long day at the track, but. As I said, we have lots to talk about and to get through. Now, I, I want to start with our title contender. So let's start with Red Bull. Coming into this weekend, they're at their home track. Three back-to-back wins under their belt. And Max Verstappen setting the fastest times in both sessions. Talk to us about what we saw from Max today, how his pace was looking, and how he was looking in the car generally. Yeah, it all looks good. Although... I think you have to be quite cautious about reading too much into the time sheets in terms of the, the single lap pace today because it's been quite a mixed day. There was the first of all we had the threat of rain, um, so teams were slightly worried that they could potentially only get twenty minutes of dry running or half an hour, and at very best one session. So they kind of split programs between drivers. So one driver would be off doing maybe long runs on one compound, and the other driver would be doing the shorter runs and they were switching stuff around so you didn't really see we didn't get the regular pattern of um, both drivers doing the same programs which meant there was a slight disconnect in terms of where people ended up on the timesheets then you add to that our favorite topic of track limits has cropped up fi has been quite strict about track limits so lewis for example lost his fastest time which would have been the fastest time of the day um in p2 was taken away for track limits so um obviously the pace potential there for the Mercedes is is is, is up there um, and a lot of drivers like Lando Norris had lots of time deleted in um, the first session that would have been a lot quicker so I think quite hard to read too much into um, kind of where everyone's stacked up and read base all the presumptions about overall pace based on the results we've seen today but there's no doubt it's again it's Mercedes v Red Bull um, it's whether the we've seen have we seen the full pace of the Red Bull? Because it does still seem to be a very quick car in qualifying. This is a track that has been strong for Red Bull in the past. Um, I think the high altitude has perhaps helped the Honda Honda engine in the past um, as well. It's been a factor we've seen um, in recent years that kind of tended to go better at the high altitude tracks. All fine. Nice tick off on the Friday. No dramas. Steady day for Verstappen. Um, and then we'll see what happens tomorrow, both from a, a performance perspective and the weather perspective. And you mentioned there the track limits and the fact that we did see a number of laps deleted. Of course, on practice days, the drivers are always trying to push for the limit, finding out how far they can take things. But how much of an issue do you think that track limits could be when it comes to qualifying? Because obviously at the start of the season, we know we had quite a lot of drama about track limits that became sort of a, a dreaded topic. Do you think that it's going to crop up in qualifying and cause any issues or do you think you know the drivers will be putting out the feelers today and figuring out how far to take things i think we normally see a pattern of friday um the track limits get dictated by the fi ahead of the weekend then friday there's endless drivers running wide and off the tracks or complaining about the curbs and predicting it's going to be a complete shambles um and then normally what happens is they they actually rain it rain it in like we saw in paul ricard last week when the, the, the curbs that turn on the exit of turn two, um, Red Bull and Mercedes demand and they get taken away because of damage in the cars and causing trouble. And then Michael Massey stood firm, 
kept them there and then hardly anyone touched them the rest of the weekend. So um, I think the the more tricky aspect with track limits in Austria is that um, it's a short lap and the lap time is very, very short, which means the difference between positions is much smaller than it is usually. So if you lose... If you lose one tenth at Spa, for example, the longest track on the calendar, it's not massively important. But if you lose a tenth here, you can drop a few positions. So you need to push things to the limit. And the corner nature here, especially coming out the last turn, so it's kind of you're dropping into a dip, you're hitting the curbs. It's quite hard to position the car on the exit and work out. You kind of, when you realise you're running wide, it's already too late to do anything about it. So I think... I don't think it's going to be a problem in terms of us seeing, you know, 15 drivers in each session getting lap times deleted. But I suspect there are going to be one or two drivers who get a good lap in and get their time deleted. And then that forces them to run again. Um, And then whether they trip up and don't make it through to Q2 or Q3 or unnecessarily need to burn a a set of tyres, which then hurts them much later either by not having a you know spare soft for q3 or by robbing them of a set they need for the race on sunday so i think that i think you'll probably see one or two problematic track limits problems for some of the drivers um high up the field which may not deliver consequences tomorrow but could have bigger consequences in terms of where they where things pan out for sunday yeah knock on effect come race day Now, we noticed, as you've just said, today wasn't entirely representative because the teams were running different sort of plans, etc. But we did notice that Sergio Perez and Valtteri Bottas were definitely struggling to match the pace of their teammates uh, in FP2, notably. Do you think, well, first of all, actually, let's start with Bottas because that was a very bizarre incident. Talk us through why and how that happened because that isn't something that we really see often. So what was it that went wrong for him? Thankfully, obviously, nobody was hurt, no, no no contact with anything within the pit lane. But what went wrong? How did he end up sideways at the McLaren garage? So this actually traces back to the French Grand Prix. So one of the defining moments of the French Grand Prix, Mercedes felt, was that first pit stop when Mercedes were caught out by the um, undercut. Um, basically, they did a deep investigation into why Lewis what they felt had a comfortable three-second advantage over Max. And then when Max stopped, Mercedes felt everything was under control and somehow they lost that advantage uh, and Max pipped them at the first stop. And then that basically dictated the race because while Lewis had the pace to run quicker than the Red Bull, he couldn't overtake it. Um, and then Red Bull pulled the trigger on the two-stop and kind of snookered, snookered Mercedes in. So Mercedes did a big dive into what went wrong at that pit stop. There's not, there wasn't one big magic bullet that dictated everything, but it was, it was a combination of factors. You know, Lewis slightly slower into the um, pit entry, lost a bit of time by the positioning of the Mercedes pit because um, it was the first pit box um, in the pit lane. So rather than kind of swooping inside of the pit lane, he had to kind of go wide to fit in there. Uh, and then, but then one of the biggest factors was the fact that when he left the pit box there was a bit of wheel spin uh, which then cost him obviously a, a bit of acceleration out of the pit lane so by the time they got to the end of the pit lane all these all all added up but Mercedes felt that wheel spin was quite a critical factor in um, something they need to address if you're battling now for tenths per second against Red Bull which is what is 
dictating races these days, which is you know fantastic that it is coming down to this. You need to eliminate that wheel spin. So one idea they had was maybe better to release from the pit stop in second gear. Um, drivers often do this at race starts, especially in the wet. You'll start in second gear just to minimise the wheel spin so you can accelerate rapidly. So they thought they'd try this today. So Valtteri was, did, the, did the practice stop in second gear. Driving your road car, for example, at traffic lights and you start in first gear, you can not stall at a much lower rev than if you are accidentally in second gear and you give a tiny bit of revs and you stall it. So obviously Valtteri needed to floor it a bit more to get some more revs if he's pulling away in second gear. And unfortunately, that was enough to spin up the rears um, and catch him out. So it was, it was all a legacy of this this intense competition between Red Bull and Mercedes, trying to find temps here and there, basically triggered this thing. So it's yet another battle thing, and it's cost Mercedes because Valtteri's got three-place grid drop. Yes, he does. And that is not going to be welcome news, especially considering we know how important the teammates are for the main title contenders, Max and Lewis at the moment. So I'm sure Mercedes are going to be sort of kicking themselves a little bit about that. Um, now, the pit stops that you mentioned, things are changing a little bit at the pit stops. There's been lots of talk about it. Christian Horner has come out saying that, you know, well, the word, the war of words between the team principals <laughs> and the teams continues for another weekend, basically. But can you talk us through these slower pit stops that are being discussed and considered? Yeah, so the FIA sent out a technical directive this week um kind of out of the blue no one was particularly expecting it which basically um told the teams it was concerned about potential for teams using in effect sensors um to automate the pit stop time so the concern being that rather than um teams completing certain processes in the pit stop so say when the wheel nut is fully on the car then the next thing that happens in the pit stop is the Jackman releases the car and the car gets lowered down. Then when the car's lowered down onto the ground, obviously the, the traffic light is triggered and the driver can leave. So if you've got a... If those processes are being decided by human reaction time, it's, it takes a certain amount of time. But the concern and suspicion from some teams was that some outfits were doing this automatically. So it, once the wheel nuts are on, a, a sensor would be used to automatically lower the car. And then when the car was automatically lowered, the traffic light could automatically release the car um so some teams felt that they'd hit uh, a kind of ceiling in terms of their pit stop time they couldn't work out how you could improve the pit stop time anymore without making certain processes automatic um because you're removing these you know you'll be removing 0.05 seconds or something but do that twice do that do that twice that's a tenth of the second uh and that can make all the difference so um, FIA has now said there has to be a human reaction element to each step. So it's 0.15 seconds between, they'll be expecting it, between the, the wheel nuts being fitted and the car being released in the jacks, and then a 0.2 second expectation uh, from the car being lowered to the um, car being released into the pit lane. Um, so the, it will take, in theory, it will take, you know, you'll lose 0.2 to 0.3 seconds probably. Um, from the overall pit stop time. Do we know what the follow-up action will be if if it looks as if, you know, these expected times are being, well, the pit stops are being completed in less than those expected times? Uh, I would guess they'd simply be reported to stewards. There is a there is a regulation that um, is it's tucked away in the technical regulations that 
basically says all sensors must be passive or something. So it's quite a loosely worded uh, regulation. Like Formula One, you know, teams will have gone through the rule book and, you know, how do you define what is a passive sensor? Uh, so that will be that will be what the argument is. I mean, Red Bull, you know, are the benchmark of pit stop times. I think they've done seven seven of the top ten pit stop times this year, or something. It's a huge number. Lots of lots of them sub two seconds. So it's fairly clear. Red Bull believe this is aimed at them. It's aimed to slow them down. Um, so obviously, Christian Horner's not impressed by it at all. Um, he thinks actually it could could be more dangerous because you've you've got a team. You know, the guy in charge of releasing that car now not only has to take into account lots of key decisions about, you know, is the pit stop complete? He's also looking at cars coming down the pit lane. So if you're battling for the lead of a race against a rival and if, if they judge that if I release him now, it's safe. If I wait a tenth of a second, it's going to be too dangerous. But then have I left the two temps I need to release it? So it's so just another factor and another element in a, it's gonna. It's like a slight doubt now about is this pit stop being completed too quickly? So just a complication. And the other thing is, it's gonna. So if you're a team like Red Bull, if you have been using sensors and have automated some processes, then suddenly you've got to introduce and revise and change this all over the next three races or so. So, and that's when mistakes can happen because you're suddenly just on muscle memory. Um, you know, muscle memory is a really, really important thing I had a random thing I know it's, no, it's not the greatest of uh, examples but I changed computer keyboard for example earlier this year which has some keys in a slightly different place where like the delete key is where the shift key is where the cursors are and it took me two weeks of hitting the wrong keys all the time or not working out where stuff was just because just that slight um, adaptation of something that's slightly different and I remember Mark Mark Webber gave this great example, for example, of muscle memory and these processes that if you walk onto an escalator or a moving walkway that's stationary, that's not moving, actually you're, you, you almost fall over because your brain has been triggered to be prepared for it moving. So this is that's just an example of muscle memory and brain expectation. So as soon as you change any process like that, it's a lot harder to, a lot harder to tweak it than just a straight we do this now from now on that old old habits die hard yeah definitely or disrupt the flow of things and as you said red bull have those pit stops nailed so you know how many times they must have gone over and over drilling into how exactly to execute them so changing it up is definitely going to be a little bit of a challenge now let's talk about some of the other teams today so mclaren and ferrari the mclaren's FP1, they finished out of the top 10, but as we know, we're not reading too much into everything today, and McLaren especially have a way of turning things around by the time we get to the end of the race on Sunday anyway. But Ricardo came out with a good lap in FP2. He wound up second on the timing sheets. Do you think that that is an indication that they are looking strong for the weekend? Or, as you said at the start, don't read too much into it. It's just a case of people running different plans through the session. I think they're looking all right. Daniel, I mean, for Daniel, it was probably his best Friday of the year so far, in terms of overall. He said it felt like a normal Friday, back to the normal normal Fridays he had last year, was when things were clicking for him and Renault. Just very straightforward, no dramas, no huge excitement, nothing to be worried about, just, just standard processes. Obviously, we didn't see Lando's best times today, because track limits, he was pushing the limits. But th- this is a track that should suit the car. We know that car 
He's very aero efficient. Um, it's pretty good in high speed corners as well. So an Austria, although although there is you know a lot of stop and start, there is some high speed sections um, in the second half of the lap that should play to the strengths. Obviously, Lando got the podium here last year, um, so I think a, a solid day. I wouldn't expect. I'd be very surprised if Daniel plants it on the front row of the grid tomorrow. But I think we should see them fighting up there in terms of that front end of that midfield battle and kind of back up there, um, you know, potentially taking more points away from Ferrari. And let's talk about Ferrari. They are definitely going to come into this weekend wanting a better time than they had in France. We're not expecting them to suffer the same way they did with the front tyre degradation. But today... They were out of the top, well, in FP1, we had Charles P10, but very much lower down the pack. Is that just because they are trying to test things out still and dig to the bottom of all of the issues that they, you know, encountered in France? Or is it something a bit more sinister without being dramatic? No, I think I think today was clouded by, A, the weather factor. So teams running slightly different programs not get caught out by the rain and lose track time and, and B Ferrari especially after the, the nightmare of last Sunday in France need to try to work out what they can do in the in the short term to try not to get caught out of these tyre issues because if, if these issues return and there's no I think as they found out in France they had quite a, a good Friday it looked like it wasn't going to be a front limited track that the grip was good enough they weren't weren't expecting any problems and then suddenly suddenly it appeared from nowhere and they were in big trouble so their their difficulty is they can't really pre-predict when these issues are going to strike so they need to get on top of it as quick as possible so i think today was more about experimenting with setups learning what they're doing and almost you're trying to when you when you're doing these kind of tests you often try to recreate the problem so you try to work out often the way to find out how to get rid of it is to get a setup that exacerbates it or causes it. So I think that's the performance of those, both Charles and Carlos today will have been slightly clouded by this extra setup work and this extra focus to try to try to get rid of this problem. We haven't, we can't rule them out for the rest of the weekend, and it looks like they should hopefully bounce back if they do able, if they are able to get to the bottom of it. Now, the final couple of teams that I want to talk about are the Alpines and the Aston Martins. All four of the drivers making it into the top 10 in both sessions. Espan Ocon, third fastest in FP2. What are you thinking about their chances over the weekend? I think they're looking okay. But as, I, as I've as i said before, just some caution in terms of where people ended up today because different run programmes. And also, I think with, with Alpine as well, we have seen on Fridays, we saw this in France last weekend, that they tend to tend to run different programs to everybody else, whether it's based on fuel loads or engine mapping or when they do their soft tire, softer tyre run or how they do it. So often on Fridays, they appear to be more competitive than they can can sometimes be on Saturdays and Sundays. So like I said with Daniel, like I'd be surprised if Daniel ends up on the front row or I'd be surprised if Ocon ends up qualifying third. But I think we, think we, can, I think we can say that it doesn't appear... The team doesn't appear to be in the kind of trouble it was potentially in when it was struggling in Baku and Monaco, for example, that the pace does does seem to be there. So they can be can be nudging into that. You know, should, they should be looking to get both cars into Q3. One of the factors that did come into play a little bit in FP2, like we've mentioned, the teams were a bit worried about the weather. 
And I am out here in Austria and I can I can say that we were all a little bit worried about the weather because it was starting to spit, but it sort of didn't end up chucking it down until, you know, a couple of hours after the session when then, yeah, the heavens opened. Tomorrow and Sunday, there are forecasts for potential thunderstorms or, and or rain. How much do you think the weather could affect things and throw things into complete havoc this weekend? Or do you think the teams will sort of already be planning ahead for that and we shouldn't see as much of a disaster as we have in, in some past races when the rain comes out to, to play? I think it will weigh heavy on the will weigh heavy on the teams. I think if you if there's potential for it to be dry tomorrow and wet on Sunday, or mm-hmm. vice versa, if there's a potential big shift, then maybe not necessarily teams like Red Bull and Mercedes, but other outfits may choose to either split strategies. So you yeah. you put one guy on a, a more wet weather wing setting um, and car setup than your your other car just to try and cover both bases. Um, I mean, it could be if Mercedes, if it's a three-place grid drop for Valtteri, that maybe Mercedes elect to do something slightly different for him to, to take that into account. So you'll have that factor potential mm-hmm. setup differences so one they may choose one day over the other or i mean equally um you know lewis will be rubbing his hands at the prospect of some wet weather because he obviously yeah, feels definitely. that he's a bit of a bit of a rainmeister and especially in qualifying if they if mercedes believe that red bull's got the fastest car of a single lap then you know he would be praying for rain tomorrow just because well should make things more equal um and he he would feel that would give him a better chance of knocking max off pole position so I think the difficulty will be if it's kind of showers blow through when the track is going dry then wet then dry then wet and -hmm. especially on a short track like the Red Bull ring there's a very big prospect that it could completely mess up the order and if you know one of the the big hitters is out at the track at the wrong time or gets a yellow flag or a red flag at the wrong time then you could end up you know you could have a shock knockout in Q1 or Q2. Ooh, well, we don't. We know how exciting the rain makes things. So, I'm yeah, I'm excited, keeping an eye, refreshing all the time the weather forecast, and we'll see how things play out tomorrow. That is all we have time for today. John, thank you as ever for joining me. Thank you everyone for listening. We'll be back tomorrow with our qualifying roundup. And in the meantime, on Autosport Plus right now, we have loads of amazing articles as always. After taking back-to-back wins, Alex Kalinorkas has penned an article on whether Red Bull can really win anywhere now that he has toppled a Mercedes F1 stronghold. There's a brilliant piece by Jonathan Noble himself on how F1's biggest crisis helped trigger its exciting 2021 season. And finally, tomorrow, first race of the 2021 season for W Series, and Megan White has an article on why W Series' champion is taking nothing for granted ahead of its return. That's all from us, and we'll be back tomorrow. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Sports Social Podcast Network.
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.